story thirteen of gulliver the great and other dog stories by walter a dyer this librivox recording is in the public domain story thirteen lorna of the black eye her kennel name was champion lorna doone of cragmore and her registry number was a k c sixty one thousand eight it was nature that had given her the black eye in the first place and the judges and kennelmen had done the rest her pedigree had saved her in the beginning for she was a daughter of champion douglas of cragmore out of highland shepherdess and her perfect form had promised much but her wonderful sable and white were marred by the patch of blue-gray shading to black around her left eye the outcropping of some unwise breeding in generations past and this blemish grew more and more conspicuous as she emerged from puppyhood the collie standard states that color is immaterial but it was a courageous and independent judge who dared to award the blue to lorna in spite of her superb head and perfect coat over a more acceptably marked competitor who was anywhere near her equal lorna's bench show career therefore was marked by a series of disappointments and when she had at last achieved her hard-won championship she was retired by james thurston her master and established at cragmore as a matron for some reason or for many not easily explained lorna was not popular the judges disliked her because she had so often added difficulty to their decisions mr thurston was disappointed in her and could not help showing it the kennelmen found her too mild and lacking in spirit to suit their ideals and even condemned her as stupid in short from the fancier's point of view lorna doone was a failure she was a dog with a black eye worst of all hugh benedict did not like her i say worst of all for lorna had taken a decided fancy to the young man who came so often to the kennels and appeared so fond of collies hugh liked military aspect in a dog he liked a dog to recognize a gentleman when he saw one to stand at attention when one approached with ears cocked forward and head lifted with that regal bearing which is the mark of aristocracy in a high-born collie lorna would sidle up to him with tucked-in tail and drooping quarters and fawn upon him abjectly licking his hands and begging the boon of his caress hugh should have remembered the gentleness of her sex and should have been properly flattered by these attentions unaccountably they filled him with a feeling that would have approached disgust had it not been for his loyal esteem for all dog-flesh and the honesty which made him admire her fine mane and thickly feathered tail in spite of himself what's the matter with that bitch jim he asked as lorna slunk away before the advance of her noble sire jim eyre let it be said was the distinguished individual that mr thurston had once called the only kennel man in the united states who is at once industrious honest reliable sober gifted with common sense and kind-hearted jim shook his head i don't know sir said he by all the rules of breedin she should be a queen but she's come by a yeller streak somehow she won't stand up like she should i think she'd run from a fox terrier no spirit and precious little sense mr thurston thinks we should get good puppies from her but i, I don't know maybe it's the black eye sir 
lorna had indeed failed to come up to expectation in the matter of puppies the first litter included some good ones to sell but nothing worth keeping for the honour of cragmore still she was young and mr thurston was disposed to give her a chance it was while nursing her first family that lorna had displayed almost her only flash of spirit big david a cragmore had come meddling around one day and with the natural ferocity of the young mother she had flown to the attack and put him to flight but in so doing she had nipped off his hind leg so severely that he was kept out of most of the summer shows that year which scarcely served to enhance lorna's popularity the second litter never was mike donahue who was the assistant kennel man of the moment had while in liquor committed the unforgivable sin for which many honourable men believed there should be capital punishment he had kicked a matron in whelp no one knew this but lorna and she could not explain nor could she understand the lack of sympathy she received when the five poor blind motionless little puppies were stillborn so much more seemed to be expected of her than she could perform when the day after mike's inevitable discharge he reappeared at cragmore thoroughly intoxicated and threatened jim eyer with an axe lorna thrilled by the horror of a vivid recollection had cast one frightened glance over her shoulder and disappeared leaving big david to act the hero and save jim eyer's life a yellow streak in cragmore opinion was worse even than a black eye lorna did not resent hugh benedict's coldness toward her resentment was not one of her failings and she had become accustomed to coldness on the part of mankind so she would lie in the grass and follow him with her pathetic eyes as he strode about the kennels with a kind word for this dog and a caress for that and perhaps a brief round of sparring with the agile david some people and some dogs are apparently born to be spectators there were several things that attracted hugh benedict at cragmore in the first place he was himself the owner of three fine collies of the cragmore strain including champion james fitzjames a brilliant son of douglas furthermore he could never get enough collies about him and he would rather spend any afternoon with the twenty-odd dogs of cragmore than with the less nobly bred humans that infested the country club finally there was a catherine thurston catherine he told himself and once behind the wisteria on the porch he had told her too was a thoroughbred like his irish hunter carrie king and his champion james fitzjames she had the points hers was the perfection of figure the poise of head the silkiness of hair the liquid softness of eye the ease of action the queenliness of expression and bearing that would have won the blue from any judge that could have qualified for a bench show of womanhood she fulfilled all the requirements of hugh benedict's standard of perfection and hugh claimed to be something of a connoisseur her only faults if she could be admitted to have any were faults of judgment for she was moved to take hugh to task for his lack of civility toward lorna doone catherine's love me love my dog attitude puzzled hugh like most people with a superabundance of youth and vitality he was inclined toward overconfidence and self-sufficiency and he forgot to turn the tables on himself 
it did not occur to him that catherine might have seemed less adorable to him if she had not been like him a lover of dogs and an admirer of collie perfection if like some young ladies of his acquaintance she had shrunk from the sometimes insistent attentions of james fitzjames but you know catherine lorna lacks character he said she she isn't all there catherine smiled in a baffling manner hugh she said you don't understand dogs at which he puckered his brows in perplexity apparently she was denying an axiom for catherine loved lorna doone at first it was pity for a weaker sister that drew her to the cringing little lady that had been given a black eye there followed a better understanding and a devotion on the part of lorna that would have been beautiful to see had not the world been blind a devotion that is worth more in the final accounting than all the points in the standard for the love of a true dog is a sort of worship which must of necessity inspire something of divinity in the recipient catherine no longer felt it necessary to make excuses for lorna and lorna remained at cragmore on an august afternoon when the roadsides were gay with young goldenrod and wild carrot hugh benedict came cantering up to cragmore on Kerry king the man at the stable touched his hat and grinned for he heartily approved of the young man's dislike for automobiles hugh was popular at cragmore with a parting slap on Kerry king's flank he turned toward the kennels he wanted to inquire about cragmore duncan's indigestion he wanted to discuss a new dog soap with jim eyre he wanted to feel the hard heads and soft coats of a score of collies crowding around him up they came like a flock of chickens at feeding time with big david shouldering his way to the front only lorna doone remained behind to gaze wistfully upon festivities in which she could have no part after he had had his fill of collie intercourse hugh sought catherine on the vine-shaded porch that young lady was pleased to be capricious all through with the dogs she asked all through for the present he replied unsuspectingly and so she continued you are ready now to devote a little attention to uh, me hugh smiled apologetically i didn't know you were waiting said he i'm not i'm just leaving for where oh just for a walk may i come along asked hugh hopefully she shook her head oh you wouldn't like the company hugh protested he was always at a disadvantage in banter of this sort no she continued i have an appointment with lorna doone and you don't like lorna yes i do he asserted no you don't she is as sensitive as any woman to a man's rudeness and i shall not subject her to it hugh's pleadings were in vain she laughed mischievously at his discomfiture though she was more than half serious and started to find lorna he watched her disconsolately as she entered the gate in the high wire fence that surrounded the kennel yards and gave a low musical little whistle he saw several of the dogs turn and regard her hesitatingly and then lorna appeared bounding along joyously her ears forward her tail waving and the glad light in her eyes that were so often dully pathetic 
he heard the low whining little bark that is a dog's earnest effort to speak and watched them as they started off across the meadow and down toward the brook lorna bounding beside her mistress the embodiment of unconscious grace but it was not lorna that filled the young man's eyes when they had disappeared from view he kicked a pebble with a vigour that suggested petulance and sauntered off to amuse himself as best he might until it should be her pleasure to return down by the brook in the lower meadow where the joe pie weed grew and here and there a cardinal flower flamed among the alders lorna doone was tasting heavenly delights all her dullness all her cringing obsequiousness had fallen from her like a blanket head eyes ears and tail were all eloquent of joyous animation she dashed up and down the bank and among the thickets her wonderful coat scarcely rippling above the energetic movements of her lithe body or she walked proudly beside miss thurston thrilling at the touch of the light hand her head uplifted and her eyes gazing with adoration into the beautiful face of her goddess the devotion of a true and queenly heart responded so quickly out there away from the eyes of men to the sympathy that was needed to call it forth only miss catherine of all the world understood but that was enough all a true dog asks of life is some human being to love and the reciprocating confidence of a single mortal catherine on her part was inclined to be a little pensive and silent and lorna sensitive to her mood soon restrained her exuberance and walked quietly by her side the path by the brook became damp and tangled and presently they left it and climbed a little hill from which they could see the cool greenery of henderson's woods a favourite haunt of theirs lorna trotted a little way ahead and turned back as though to say come miss catherine the sweet shade lies just over yonder and the cool spring by the great oak tree between them and the woods lay the enclosure of henderson's twenty-acre pasture to the left was the difficult brook path off to the right lay the hot dusty road in the pasture there were usually cows henderson's famous sleek herd of holsteins and catherine had instincts not uncommon among her sex she hesitated at the fence while lorna stood watching her expectantly then lifting her skirts to her knees she stooped and slipped between the bars lorna trotted back a few paces and came sailing over the top rail like a bird the cows were apparently not in the pasture or they were on the other side of the hill for none were visible and catherine started bravely across towards the woods with lorna running eagerly ahead suddenly the collie stopped and stood motionless her head turned toward the rising ground at their right and the hair on the back of her head began to rise slightly to catherine's senses there had come no hint of danger what is it lorna she asked as if in answer to her question there appeared from behind a thicket of shrubbery on the crest of the hill the massive head and shoulders of siegfried the second the mighty chief of the henderson herd catherine gasped and her hands flew to her breast all her woman's fear of a bull arose within her and held her rooted to the spot where she stood she wanted to scream she wanted to flee but terror for the moment held her paralyzed and it was not entirely a foolish fear for sigurd the second had but recently been released from close confinement and he had a wicked reputation 
for what seemed to catherine like an eternity the great black-and-white creature stood motionless as though in haughty disapproval of this invasion of his domain then he stepped slowly out into full view lashing his tail angrily and giving his royal head a toss or two standing there on the crest of the low hill silhouetted against the western sky he appeared elephantine in his proportions lorna like her mistress stood transfixed in terrified astonishment with a low ominous bellow the bull began to advance slowly at first his small eyes gleaming wickedly the power to act suddenly returned to miss thurston she turned swiftly and quickly gauging the shortest distance to the fence she started to run at the top of her speed her face deathly pale and her eyes big with fright the bull started down the hill at a trot and then maddened by the sight of a fleeing quarry broke into a wild gallop which rapidly diminished the distance between him and his victim then descended the spirit of her ancestors upon lorna doone the coward of cragmore she had never known cattle but there is an hereditary instinct in a collie which kennel-breeding cannot entirely destroy suddenly the plunging bull was startled by a slight form flashing across his path beneath his very nose and in amazement he slightly checked his speed then again it came the swift annoyance and he shook his head and bellowed at it lorna cleverly avoiding his flying hoofs leaped barking about his head he changed his course and charged at her but she jumped nimbly beyond his reach siegfried shook himself as though to get rid of this dancing torment and rushed on again toward the now stumbling catherine lorna gathering speed followed in pursuit and leaped at his hawks the bull turned again beside himself with fury and charged full at the collie again she dodged and closing in nipped him in the leg lorna was panting now the unaccustomed exertion was beginning to tell the bull followed one plunging rush with another and she was hard put to it to avoid his flashing hoofs and menacing horns catherine her heart thumping as though it would burst and her breath coming in great sobs fell against the fence too exhausted to clamber through her own life had been saved by the diversion created by the collie and now the girl was too weak to offer any assistance to the harried dog she could only stand in horror and watch what promised to be a tragedy but the bellowings of siegfried and the barking of lorna had attracted the attention of one who had been wandering disconsolate by the brookside there was a sound of running footsteps and presently a pair of strong arms lifted catherine over the fence and placed her gently in the grass on the other side are you hurt dear inquired hugh benedict anxiously for a moment catherine could not speak the world swam before her eyes in a blurred twilight and her limbs felt strangely not a part of her then with an effort she overcame her faintness and sat up no she said between gasps not hurt but lorna hugh glanced into the pasture the bull had evidently forgotten all about the young woman and was devoting all his energies to the annihilation of the collie poor lorna apparently did not realize that her mistress was safe for she continued with increasing signs of weakness to worry her huge antagonist 
the bull with no apparent diminution of energy repeated his plunging charges her circlings became narrower and narrower the battle had become for her a struggle for life against odds oh lorna cried catherine grasping hugh's arm convulsively as the collie lost her footing for a moment it looked to the spectators as though she were lost but she managed to scramble up just in time a blueberry bush caught on the bull's horns went sailing with its clod of earth high into the air as the great siegfried recovered from the charge without a word hugh benedict unclasped catherine's fingers from his arm and vaulted lightly into the pasture wrenching a rail from the fence he advanced at a run toward the battle again lorna's weakening legs gave way as she made a sharp turn in dodging and again she barely succeeded in rolling aside from the murderous horns but she was too late to avoid the flying hoofs there was a sharp thud as the bull's forefoot caught her on the shoulder she rolled over and over and after one frantic effort to rise fell back and lay quite still the bull turned again and came pounding back with the obvious intention of tearing his helpless enemy to shreds when suddenly with a blinding crash the heavy fence rail caught him across the eyes he slowed down shook his head and turned to take the measure of this new antagonist again the rail descended and this time more accurately aimed struck him full on his sensitive velvet nose siegfried roaring with pain and rage gathered himself for the attack but he was met by the end of the rail thrust vigorously against his windpipe the bull paused snorting and pawed the earth he was not unacquainted with men armed with rods and clubs he hesitated hugh following up his advantage rained blow after blow upon the nose of the baffled bull who began turning his head from side to side to avoid them the young man was strong and he was angry and the fire of battle had entered his soul he did not desist until the great bull half blind and with the fight dying out within him turned sullenly away a vicious jab in the ribs started him on the retreat and a well-aimed stone catching him behind the ear sent him on a gallop back over the ridge hugh let his fence-rail fall from his trembling grasp and stood for a moment breathing hard but with the light of conquest in his eye and watched the retiring enemy until he disappeared then he turned and walked over to where lorna lay motionless in the grass very gently he lifted her head to his knee and began feeling of her legs and ribs she opened her eyes once and made a feeble attempt to lick his hand and then closed them again wearily he picked her up in his arms and bore her back to where her mistress stood anxiously waiting on the other side of the fence reaching through the bars he laid the collie on the ground and then climbed over catherine took his hand in both hers and there were tears in her eyes oh hugh she said that was all but it was enough because of the look that went with the tremulous words is she badly hurt she inquired kneeling down beside the collie i think not said hugh there seems to be no bones broken she had the wind knocked clean out of her i guess she'll be all right with one hand catherine stroked the beautiful head of the now reviving collie and with the other she found hugh's hand and pressed it to her burning cheek and hugh instead of doing the obvious and quite desirable thing knelt down and kissed the despised black eye of lorna doone 
End of story 13.